a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. And the problem that God has with that is that he didn't command it or institute it. He, he, he only wants images that he commands and institutes to be made. And when he makes himself, when, it, when the scripture says that Jesus is the very image of God, then he has made an image of himself for us, Jesus. And if we were to not have pictures of Jesus, then we would be breaking the second commandment. But now all this rests upon this moment and that you must do the right thing in order to reap the benefits of this. If you're going to be forgiven, if you're going to be atoned for, if you're going to get the imputed righteousness of God, you must then do this. And and this is what's so terrible about what we call decision theology is that it, it takes everything away of the gospel and puts it all back on the law. I mean, this is a stop the press sort of thing to see God, you know? Wow! That's amazing! Stop the song! Tell us about that! That's great! Get ready for another disappointment. This is Table Talk Radio. <laughs> you know, there was one time back in my younger days, this was a, I, I don't know if I've ever told this story. The, have I ever told the banana bread story? No, I don't think so. This was my, I, I, uh, my first trip down to Australia, and I went down during the summer, and I, I think I was 16 years old, and, and, uh, and we landed in Cairns. You know, it's in the tropics, and I was uh, kind of jet-lagged, and the first day, um, we were going to go uh, snorkeling on the Great Barrier Reef, so scuba diving and this sort of thing. But the, the owner of the company says, hey, who, anyone want to go on a stunt plane ride? And I said, yeah, I do. So we woke up real early, and we went by the stop-and-go Australian thing, and I bought a, uh, a pound of, of banana bread like this with this banana bread frosting, and I ate the whole thing. And then I went on this plane ride that did all these loop-de-loops, and then we went on a on a four-hour boat trip out to the Great Barrier Reef, and then four hours back. And every time I smell banana bread now, it brings back these memories. <laughs> oh. And I was wondering if during the opening, if that's what people think when they hear the <laughs> yeah. sound of Table Talk Radio. Oh, no. Oh, man. Kind work. of sick in their stomach. They hear that's right. Well, we, we have a little bit of an improvement on today's show because we have a special guest in studio. Uh, Fourth-year seminarian Stephen Preuss is with us. Welcome, Stephen. Hey. Thank you. And uh, he'll be joining us for a, a solid lineup. After Buzzwords, we're going to be playing uh, Name That Theologian, a, a modified version of that game, and then Name That Church Body. Uh, so that's uh, what Stephen will be joining us for. And then the last segment, we're going to be interviewing uh, Professor Pless. Professor Pless is going to be going out to your your area, your neck yeah, of the woods out he's there. he's coming here pretty soon. Yeah, that's right. So he'll be at uh, Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Loveland on Saturday, the, or excuse me, yeah, Saturday, February the 19th. And there's uh, information on our website about that. So uh, go check that out. He's so, going to be at Hope here preaching on the 20th. Nice. So you can get a, a two-for-one with Pless. Yeah. Nice. Good. Okay, well, let's start out doing some buzzwords. Do you have a buzzword, Pastor? Uh, sure, sure. Well, I, I got two here. Uh, this, I'm keep hitting random, random, random on the Theopedia, trying to find a really <laughs> good one. But I, but but these are not, uh, so here. You tell me which one you want. All right. Okay. Propitiation, which is one we've had before, or evangelism, which I don't think is one we had before. Um. Since I just came back from a, a <laughs> board meeting, I got that's all I can think about now. Evangelism, evangelism, witness, witness. In that case, I'll go with propitiation. All right. The propitiation <laughs> carries the basic idea of appeasement or satisfaction towards God. 
Um, the propitiation is the appeasement of the wrath of God by the offering um, of uh, the, the punishment for, uh, what would that be? The offering of suffering under that wrath. So, uh, propitiation really comes, to, when it comes down to it, is the death of Jesus where he offers up himself as an offering to uh, appease God's wrath. Um, and, uh, and that means that God's wrath doesn't come onto us, but onto him. Right. My, my theological buzzword for you, um, and I was told that Stephen Preuss is going to demonstrate this, but uh, enthusiast is the uh, <laughs> is my theological buzzword. Uh, no, he's shaking his head, so maybe not. <laughs> maybe. We'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> How fast is he shaking his head? That might be. <laughs> That's right. He, he already is uh, demonstrating it. No, enthusiast, as it refers to in the in the Lutheran confessions, is, is someone who... Uh, hears from God or, or is it, interacts with God apart from word and sacrament. And I have a little bit of reading from the small call for you, Pastor, All right. on the, the why he goes and gets some coffee. Um, in a word, enthusiasm dwells in Adam and his children from the beginning to the end of the world. Its venom has been implanted and infused into them by the old serpent. It is the origin, power, and strength of all heresy, especially that of the papacy and Muhammad. Therefore, we Muhammad. must... Muhammad. Muhammad. Therefore... If you were a little more culturally aware, you'd know that. <laughs> <laughs> we must consistently maintain this point. God does not want to deal with us in any other way than through the spoken word and the sacraments. Whatever is praised as from the Spirit without the word and sacraments is the devil himself? Oh man! That's the small called articles and the. That's the. But I I have I have given that a title. I need to give it a Latin title so people pay attention. That little section there, the Luther. It's a, what it's a small called three three eight right, uh, on confession. I think that is the most uh, profound theological statement made anywhere outside the scriptures. That's what I think. Hmm. So, so what Latin would you as- assign to that? Profoundus Maximus. <laughs> nice. All right, let's get Stephen into this game. Uh, name that theologian. Now, we thought we would test uh, Stephen Preuss's knowledge of his uh, of his family and, and play name that theologian Preuss style. So name that Preuss <laughs> is essentially what we're playing. Um, but uh, so are, the, are these people I'm actually related to? Uh, probably, probably. Okay. <laughs> Are you a P-R-E-U-S or a P-R-E-A-U-S? I don't, I don't know any of the second ones. I, I'm one of the first, yeah. How do you spell uh, Prius? That's what I'm trying to spell. Oh, like, like the Toyota? <laughs> I only know how to spell Prius in Greek. Yes. <laughs> All right. Hey, here's a little tip, by the way, for you fourth-year seminarians when you graduate for a little Bible class tip. Uh, before you start spouting off, you want to ask everyone in the class this question. Anyone here know Greek? <laughs> and, it, and if no one does, then you're free to say whatever you want. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's yeah, yeah. Enthusiasm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that doesn't count. You gotta wait till I forget what the word is. <laughs> okay, let's hear your, right, let's you ready? Hear your first entry. Okay, okay. Um, hmm. A crisis faced the third, fourth, and fifth generation of Lutherans after the Reformation. They were no longer directly in contact with the deep religious experience and original theological insight of the Reformation. Although the issues underlying the Reformation still obtained, 
the climate of thought had changed in the late 16th and 17th centuries, and scores of new issues had risen to challenge evangelical theology. How were the theologians of this era effectively to per, uh, perpetuate the great work of the Reformation, its evangelical impact? How were they to interpret it for their day? Those who have received the precious legacy of the Reformation must now stand back and assess what has happened, consolidate their forces, and continue Luther's work. This is clearly what Lutheran orthodoxy sees its task to be. It is fundamentally a theological task, a theological calling that claims each one of the great theologians of the day. All right. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, so I'm supposed to name just some random price. Yeah, who, well, yeah. whoever you think it is. Uh, you could talk about why, too. So you, what the content well, is, the hints that yeah. you have, etc. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering... If it's not my Uncle Daniel, uh, simply because of the more historical take. Um, but it could very well be Robert Preuss as well as father. But the reason I'm going to go with Daniel is simply because his his expertise is in history. He was uh, the head of the histor Lutheran, no, I'm forgetting what it's called, Historical Institute. Uh, so I'm going to go with Daniel Preuss. LHI is a recognized service organization in Missouri. So. That's right, yeah. I just, I just failed a, a polity test, uh, so I'm not too good at this kind of stuff. <laughs> I did too. I'm not actually even true. I don't think it is. No, no, it's not an RSO. It's actually part of the whole deal. Uh, that is almost correct, but wrong. You got the last name right. Hey, thanks. <laughs> that was Robert Preuss. Wow. This is from uh, The Theology of Post-Reformation Lutheranism, Volume 1. Yeah, see... I. Uh, Pastor Wolfmiller told me his his trick on this. He'll he'll name a, a two or three of the ideas he has, and that way, if he's wrong, but we got you know one of the second guesses, he doesn't look so bad. So yeah, yeah, that's right. That's what I always do when we're playing Bible B. I'll give three or four books that I think it is, and then I'll give my final answer. That's oh, a good strategy. Yeah, that's yeah. brilliant. It's really great when he misses all together. Like he, you know, names three or four, and none of them. I'm are. sure that's Ecclesiastes or Proverbs, and it's the Gospel of Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pastor Wolfman, we have about a minute. Uh, can you want you want to elaborate a little bit on what that quote is talking about? Well, sure. There's um, and the and the whole set of there's two volumes in this set, and uh, there was more planned, I, if I know right. But this is a, a marvelous sort of thing to realize. I mean, when we Lutherans, this is a little bit of inside baseball here, but when we Lutherans kind of think of our church history, we normally think of of Luther, first generation. Uh, Martin Chemnitz, second generation, and then it's like we skip to Walther or whoever you want to pick in that day. And we have this 300-year uh, gap in our history, and these books fill in those gaps with all, with these Orthodox theologians who are who are grappling with the insight uh, of the Reformation and trying to uh, uh, make it lively. We call it dead Orthodoxy, but the opposite is true. It's really a kind of a lively engagement uh, with the Scriptures, with our Lutheran history with the history of the church, and with the, the culture, there's a buzzword, with the culture that uh, goes on around us. It's fascinating stuff to read. That's right. Well, let's continue this game on the other side of this break. Uh, don't forget Some to check out our... Maurice. I'll mute Pastor's mic. Okay. Um, don't forget to check out our website to find out more about this Confessing Christ in a Lethal World by Professor Pless. It's the Our Lutheran Faith Lay Theological Conference that takes place February 19th in Loveland, Colorado. We'll be right back for more Table Talk Radio. Don't go away. All right, hit it, Pastor. Because I'm a picker, I'm a grinner, gritter, I'm a lover, and I'm a sinner. Hater. 
No online petition necessary. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I'm selling you something. <laughs> I know you don't believe it, but it's true. I am. I, I'm trying to sell you or your congregation. If you're not a pastor, if you could give this information to your pastor, I'd really appreciate it. An electronic baptismal certificate. It's an electronic, customized uh, for your church certificate that prints out on an 11 by 17 page. It, it's an old-fashioned looking, but uh, a technologically up-to-date certificate with woodcut images, the four catechism baptismal verses, uh, and a place to input electronically uh, baptismal information, and it's available for $35 per congregation, and you can print as many as you want as, until the Lord Jesus returns. Uh, the way to see this certificate and get I- input to me for it or order it is to go to Wolfson Creative dot com it's w o l f s o n c r e a t i v e dot com and you can click on the certificate there and and see it you can even print a sample to see if it you can print it out and order information is all there as well so again it's wolfsoncreative.com that's a customizable electronic baptismal certificates for your congregation uh thanks for your time and see i am trying to sell you something and i hope you'll buy it Welcome back to Table Talk Radio, uh, playing Name That Theologian. Uh, uh, let's see what that's this... the Lutheran version of the Hanukkah song. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like how those guys have such melodious voices. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> kind of like yours. Dana Carvey was a Lutheran. <laughs> All right, checking the score, Stephen Preuss with zero, but uh, the rest of us have zero too. So. Uh, no, no worries. Can I get like half a point for mentioning? <clears throat> I don't know. We're pretty stingy with these tables of right. radio points. Yeah, they're so valuable. You have to earn them. Yep, that's right. Well, don't worry. There's another. Hey, hey, you know your uh, nephew uh, uh, earned a million points on their table talk radio <laughs> Facebook page. Yeah, my brother told me that. Yeah. Your brother put up a picture uh, with um, oh, t- uh, Stefan. Stefan and in the baby table talk radio onesie. <laughs> oh, that's right. It's the cutest thing. I know. So uh, I I <laughs> I said that you this you know gave away all of the table talk radio points you've ever had. So you're you need to get some more in this game too. <laughs> you should see this picture. I mean, it is so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He sent it to me on my phone. Just because I don't have Facebook doesn't mean I can't receive pictures. You guys who who have Facebook think that Facebook is a monopoly of of picture sharing. I'm solo Facebookist. Now this is my comment on this, by the way, which you can see on our Table Talk Radio fan page on Facebook, which Evan never visits. So if you want to send me a private message, just put it on the wall there. That's right. That's right. And it says, and I, my comment is, two of the three faces in this picture are very handsome. Oh, don't say that about yourself. That's right, that's no, not very nice. Demeaning. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's, let's have another quote for Name That Theologian. All right, let's see here. Open to a random page here. I was reading this. Uh, aha, here you go. Ready? According to This is a, sub, a little section here called The Importance of Doctrines. According to the Lutheran Confessions, true doctrine, that is correct teaching about God and his activity towards us, is not some remote possibility but a marvelous fact, the result of God's grace. 
And this doctrine is demonstrated in the confessions themselves. Those who wrote our confessions were convinced of this. But more than that, they were persuaded that true doctrine, theology, which means language about God, is of inestimable importance to the church and to individual Christians. All right. Yeah. You know, it's kind of hard because, you know, my dad likes to say that proises are like cogs in a machine, and you can just take them out and put <laughs> new ones in, and you don't really know which one said it. But I'm going to guess Clement Preuss on that from the fire and the staff. That's a good guess, but uh, again, you got the last name right, so you're... <laughs> that was... I, uh, this was a kind of a low, a tricky thing. That was also Robert. Robert. <laughs> I'm just going to guess Robert Price from now on. <laughs> Don't do that. I'm, done. Uh, I'm, I'm working my way chronologically. This is this little book. This is really a nice little book called Getting into the Theology of Concord. Uh, these are all CPH books, I think. This is, um, is that right? Yeah, that's a CPH. I'm doing all CPH, and this is CPH, too. And this is a little, I don't know, 100 pages, 80, 90 pages, uh, which kind of walks through the, um, uh, the the Lutheran confessions and talks about it yeah. um, and, and pulls out the, some important insights. This is a great little text for, for lay people to read as well uh, to kind of get an introduction to what it is, this whole business of Lutheran confessionalism. Yeah, you know, that was actually written specifically for lay people. And what's nice about getting these questions wrong is that <laughs> it, you, it shows that the theology is continuing throughout the generations. So unless you bring up like Edward Preuss who went Rome, um, <laughs> I won't have a problem with missing any of the answers. <laughs> now, nice. I think I think you did reveal that all these uh, are from CPH books. So I think you're probably in the clear there. All right. <laughs> I, I, by the way, if anyone has forgotten, I love CPH. Is there a history behind you say, this? You say that on a regular basis. I, don't know. I know. I just don't want people to forget, especially those guys over at CPH. All right. I love good. you guys. Good. I love you. I'm being serious. CPH is fantastic. Everyone should spend all their money at CPH after they pay for the rent and the heat. And then all at CPH. And then if you have a little left over, you could be like, uh, who was that uh, church father that said, if you have money, buy books. If you have any left over, buy food. Who was that? Maybe it wasn't a church father. Maybe it was the heretic origin. <laughs> well, but anyway, uh, that's what I recommend with CPH. All right, good. Um, maybe one more quote, then we'll get into name that church body. Oh, okay. Pastors wear robes. This teaches us they have uniform that sets them apart from the duties of their call, much as other professions are set apart through their attire. I remember my asking my pastor in confirmation class why he wore the white thing over the black thing. <laughs> I later learned that the white thing was the surplus and the black thing was a cassock. He told me that the black thing represented sin and the white thing represented being converted with the righteousness of Jesus. So I was taught a lesson about Christ and the forgiveness of sins from the vestments of the pastor. Ever since then, I paid close attention to what pastors wore. I'm going to guess Clement on this one. You know, it, it, I'm just going by the things I know about what they've written. So, yeah, I would guess, you know, he talked about the... The life of the church, doctrine, and practice. So let's go with Clement again. You're right. Fire right. in the staff. All Boom. Right. Shakalaka. Steve O. 200 5, points. 5,000? Oh, Whoa. Whoa. Easy. 5,000, really? Okay. 5,000 points. I'm worried about hyperinflation. Wow. I'm trying to keep ahead of hyperinflation. <laughs> Don't spend them all in one place. <laughs> all right. I got uh, one more. I got one more before we go to church body. Okay. How, how much time do we have in this segment? Uh, we have about four minutes. Oh, pshaw, pshaw. 
Yes, yeah, so I, I got to stretch this out so I can do a little show prep during the break. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I got one more, uh, one more uh, Prush quote here. Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Our Lord wants us clean, and in baptism, He cleans us. It's not the water that does the actual cleaning, but the Word of God in and with the water does these things, along with the faith which trusts this Word of God in the water, as Martin Luther says in his small catechism. For without God's Word, the water is plain water and no baptism, but but with the Word of God, it is a baptism that is a life-giving water, rich in grace and a washing of the new birth in the Holy Spirit. Baptism cleans us, not because the water is applied in a particular way, but because the water comes with God's Word. After all, sin cannot be washed away with mere water. The water must be combined with God's Word, which washes away the sin. Man, that was a lot of Luther in there. <laughs> oh, is that not enough? I can read a different quote from the same here book. I'll just flip to a different page. Ready? Yeah. The Holy Spirit calls us to faith by means of the gospel. The gospel is the good news about Jesus our Savior and all he has done to bring us into a right relationship with God. It is the good news about how Jesus took care of Mount Sinai and Mount Calvary for us. It is the good news about Jesus our substitute who lived according to the law, our substitute who bore the punishment for our sin, our substitute who conquered death through his death, our substitute who rose from the dead, so we too will rise to live with God forever. The Holy Spirit uses the message of the gospel to bring us to faith. And this is the only way people are brought to faith. Man, this The only way Lutheran. the church is created. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good Lutheran stuff. That is from Why I Am a Lutheran by Daniel Preuss. Hey, you are right. All right. Very good. Another 5,000 points, I guess. In that book, he, he goes through uh, three mountains uh, from Zion, or from... Uh, Sinai to uh, Calvary to Zion, and it's kind of like a catechism in book form. Um, really, really well done. I, I recommend it. Yeah, uh, I, was, I, I wanted to make a brief comment about the uh, the robes quote that you had. I remember one time on Vicarage, I was uh, preaching about I one of the texts dealing with the, with the Pharisees, and and I you know mentioned that the Pharisees like to. Uh, um, uh, you know, stand on the street corners and, and pray loudly for everyone to hear. And and uh, you know, one of the you know comments that I you know read in the you know study that I was doing for that sermon that talked about the Pharisees wore these these long white robes to uh, show how how righteous they were. And I was preaching this, and then afterwards, uh, you know, people were saying, "Hey, but Vicar, you're wearing white robes." <laughs> but that's that's actually oh. kind of that's actually kind of the point because when we wear robes in in the service, it's to reflect of Christ, of Christ's righteousness, and to, to hide our own uh, sinfulness. That 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 uh, that though we are we are sinners, that, that that God brings us His righteousness, and in the very very Word of God, which uh, which you're receiving in the divine service. So uh, there you have it. There you have it. Do I get any points for that comment? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, sure. Okay. Twenty-five points. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> I was waiting for 2500 or 25000 Alas. Okay. <clears throat> well, look, I just spent 10000 on Steve-O, our guest. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. We'll only have about a, an, again, I'm another minute I'm here. trying to draw out his enthusiastic points. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I don't know what the points mean. I mean, what do I get oh, with these? Don't yeah, mean no, none of us do. Oh. oh. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> thanks anyway. <laughs> completely useless. If you uh, find out, just what a they... gig to keep the keep the keep the kids interested. You know. 
Wait, do we have kids interested in this show? Oh yeah, yeah. They want to know how many points everyone has. Oh yeah, yeah. We kids had... no kids have an, kids have an implicit knowledge that points matter. It's like uh, it's like the inner Pharisee. Coming out there. It's a manifestation of original sin. Our interest, our interest in having points. That's true, and that—that's why the—is that why the old man likes to listen to table talk radio? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, during this break, Pastor is going to prepare some name that church body. We'll continue it on table talk radio. Don't go away. Let's find the church. Anyone will If you're not easily embarrassed, tell your friends about Table Talk Radio. Confessing Christ in a Lethal World The 2011 Our Lutheran Faith Lay Theological Conference features Professor John Pless speaking about Lutheran ethics in a postmodern culture of death. It all takes place Saturday, February the 19th at Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Loveland, Colorado. Registration is free and lunch is provided. For more information and for RSVP instructions, click on the flyer on the homepage at tabletalkradio.org. Welcome back to Table Talker Radio. We're on Facebook at Facebook.com. If you need more reasons why not to go on Facebook, uh, you have it <laughs> when uh, when Pastor Wolfmeyer starts laughing at his own jokes that he puts on Facebook, as he did in the break oh, just a second man. ago. <laughs> I go back and reread my own jokes <laughs> oh, just no. to get a kick out of it. Oh, no. Oh, That's worthy no. of a point deduction. Yeah. I'm deducting I'm, 100 points from you. <laughs> You can have negative. I'm, by the way, getting after that other radio host, uh, Todd Wilkin, and I called him on Facebook, the Oprah of Lutheranism. <laughs> nice. Topra. Topra. <laughs> Maybe he could get a show on our brand new network. <laughs> yeah, I would recommend it to him. All right. In this oh. game on Table Talk Radio, uh, Pastor Wolfmiller will give both Stephen and I... Uh, what statements of belief from various church oh, bodies? Oh yeah, I got two. I, I that's right. You guys are going head to head now. I got just I did a little website search in that two seconds when we were bumping in there, and I've got two. And these are two local churches in here in Aurora. Okay. Aurora. Now, are the do you have uh, multiple quotes for each church, or is it one? Yeah, quote yeah. We got okay. the we believe we got the we believe statements for both churches. So all right, we're gonna go one at a time. Go ahead. All right, here we go. Uh, first, the scriptures. The scriptures of the Old and New Testament were given by inspiration of God, and they are the only sufficient, certain, and authoritative rule of all saving knowledge, faith, and obedience. Okay. Um, all right. I'm ready for the next one, I think. All right. Trinity, God is revealed to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, each with distinct personal attributes without division of nature, essence, or being. Okay. So this is Providence. kind of the, this, this is this is kind of the generic Protestant we believe statement. This, yeah, yeah, this is this is like the copy and paste one that you get. Uh, you go to various churches like these are exactly the same, and they don't really. I mean, they they affirm very good things, but uh, they don't really talk much about what really divides Christian church bodies. But maybe that'll change here in the next quote. Yeah, yeah. Providence, part four. Ooh, Providence. Providence. 
God from eternity decrees or permits all things that come to pass and perpetually upholds, directs, and governs all creatures and all events, yet so as not in any wise to be the author or approver of sin, nor to destroy the responsibility of intelligent creatures. This, If you guys get this, I'm going to be very impressed. In fact, both of these have a few things that will throw you off. Okay, why don't you read it? Uh, but there's providence. Okay. God from eternity decrees or permits decrees or permits all things that come to pass and perpetually upholds, directs, and governs all creatures and all events, yet so as not in any wise to be the author or approver of sin, nor to destroy the responsibility of intelligent creatures. Okay. Um, <clears throat> this has a lot of um, reform flavors to it. With talking, I mean, the, you always hear about the, the providence of God. Um, although this didn't really talk about uh, election or anything, it was just about the uh, the kind of things that go on in life. The the events of this world are ordained by God, uh, but not but not person's sins. So, is that it, or is there another one? It, no, no, there's more. Election comes in the next. Oh, okay. Election is God's eternal choice of some persons unto everlasting life, not because of foreseen merit in them, but of its excuse me, but of His mere mercy in Christ. In consequence of which choice they are oh, sorry, in consequence of which choice they are called, justified, and glorified. In consequence. Wow. The consequence huh. of God's choice, see? <clears throat> okay. The man, mediator, regeneration, repentance, let's see. This is still this is still pretty consistent with a reformed or, or Calvinist view. Um, I think. I, I mean have you heard anything, Stephen, that would throw you off of that track? No, I mean, but this isn't exactly a... It hasn't narrowed it down for as far as whether it's a conservative Baptist Calvinist or if it's a more traditional. I want, kind of want something on the means of grace. Yeah, yeah. Do you have anything Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, here. Well, I'll give you church and then I'll give you baptism. Okay. The Lord Jesus is head of the church, which is composed of all his true disciples, and in him is invested supremely all power for its government. According to his commandment, Christians are to associate themselves into particular societies or churches. And to each of these churches he has given needful authority for administrating that order, discipline, and worship which he hath appointed. The, regu hath. <laughs> the regular officers of the church are elders and deacons. <clears throat> and then I'll give you baptism. Ready? You want to talk about that? you have any insight on that? Um, Stephen, why don't you talk well, about Well, I mean, that's... I'm leaning toward the more uh, straight-line Calvinist now, the Presbyterian, conservative Presbyterians. There, there aren't that many of them, yeah. are there? I mean, no talk of the Office of the Ministry, obviously. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm, re I'm ready for the last one. Well, baptism is an ordinance of our Lord Jesus, obligatory upon every believer, wherein he is immersed in water in the name of the Father and, of, and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, as a sign of his fellowship with the death and resurrection of Christ, of remission of sins, and of giving himself up to God, to live and walk in newness of life. It is, a, it is prerequisite to church fellowship, and a participation in the Lord's Supper. Hmm. So you have some big key words. You know, talk about sign, ordinance is a big one. Um, this talk of uh, of obligation uh, is interesting. Um, I mean, we always talk about on this show uh, this distinction between law and gospel. And you have to ask then: is is baptism law or gospel? Uh, for Lutheran, it's 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 gospel. Um, however, when you use the language of obligation, that that sort of uh, throws all the gospel out of it. Um, and then this immersion thing is interesting. 
Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think? Yeah, that you? tips it back over into the Baptist. <laughs> you know, like the, the John Piper types. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure. You know, maybe... Uh, All right, let's have some guesses, guys. Uh. <laughs> All right, you said it was a church in your area, right? In Aurora, at least. Yep, yep. yep. Um, so I'm going to say the first re- <laughs> Reformed Church of Aurora. <laughs> oh, goodness sakes, that's detailed. You don't have to tell me the name of the church. I know, I know, I know. Just <laughs> first I just, Reformed Church going of Aurora. Going for more, uh, more points. Do you have like a oh, Baptist yeah. cheat sheet over there? <laughs> yeah. All right, churches in Aurora. I'm Googling it right now. Yeah. <laughs> you have a guess, Stephen? I've got nothing. You know, I don't know what the really small conservative Baptist would be, um, if what their denomination or what their church body is called. So I'm just going to say that they're Baptists. You are right. This is, though, Aurora Central Baptist Church. It's, a, it's part of the Southern Baptist Church. Oh, okay. <laughs> there it is. Southern Baptist Church with the. This is my Reformed Baptist buddy. Who ah, come yeah. on Iron Preacher. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is Al Moeller type. He studied under Al Moeller, so it's the uh, Baptist Calvinist. There's mm-hmm. like three of them. There's fewer <laughs> Baptist Calvinists than there are Calvinists, and that means that it's less than four. How how does he view his office of pastor in light of what uh, the statement on the church that you read? He's a teacher. Right. That's it. The end. Okay. Wow. All right, do you have another another church body? Oh, yeah. This you have is really, three this minutes even here. Tougher. This one's even tougher. Okay. Good. Bring well, it ready? on. We believe what is termed the Apostles' Creed as embodying all the fundamental doctrines of the of Orthodox Evangelical Christianity. I kind of want to stop there. You guys guess what it is. <laughs> but here, I'll give you some more. All right, fine. Um, we believe in the universal church, in the living spiritual body of which Christ is the head and all regenerated persons are members. Um... We are neither five-point Calvinists, nor are we Arminians. We adhere firmly to the biblical teaching of God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. We avoid any theological systems of belief that go beyond the written word and thereby divide the body of Christ. And then they say, we await the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. (laughs) (laughs) In order to be not divisive. We believe in the literal second coming of Christ with the saints to rule the earth, which will be personal and visible. This motivates us to holy living, heartfelt worship, committed service, diligent study of God's word, regular fellowship, participation in adult baptism by immersion, and holy communion. All right, you got a guess on this? Hey, did you want to go first, Ian? I'm still gagging from that whole rapture thing. (laughs) Man. Well, I mean, what I would say, um, because you have... uh, you know this. This is really interesting. This phenomenon yeah, that we have of uh, this non-denominationalism. Um, mm-hmm. That you know, it's amazing how many people grew up in a denominational church and are now going to a so-called non-denominational. And uh, and so what what they try to do is just try to uh, suppress any divisions that might divide a, a denomination. Um, but <laughs> the the irony, as you pointed out, Pastor, was that. When you start talking about the rapture, well, then you're asserting something um, that would be divisive among Christian bodies. So, the, so they affirm the creed and they say, "Yeah, this is this is what we believe." Um, talking about the universal church, yes, this is good. We are not Calvinists or Arminian. Again, they are separating themselves from any kind of division. So, I'm going to say this is right. some sort of a non-denominational church, maybe like a Calvary Chapel type. Okay, I got and a question. Stephen. I got a question about: Do they have anything about testimonials in there? Oh boy. 
I don't see anything. Okay. Cause this I'll do a search your test. <laughs> what What are you thinking, Stephen? Well, I'm I'm just wondering if it's not a a Pentecostal group or uh, maybe maybe even that Maranatha mm-hmm. uh, group. Mm-hmm. But they're they're big into testimonials. So if they didn't have anything on there, you I wouldn't. I think it'd be a bad guess. We believe in the present ministry of the Holy Spirit and in the exercise of all biblical gifts of the Spirit as reflected through the fruit of that same Spirit. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just going to guess the Maranatha. This is Calvary Chapel. Whoa. So I've nailed it. All right, how many points? 9,974 points. Nice. Oh, that's wait, that's just shy of Stephen. That gives you 9,999 points. You're one behind Stephen. <laughs> oh, Congratulations, Stephen. Hey, thanks a lot. Ah, hey, all thanks right. for being on the show. Yeah, that's Thank all you. the time we have for this segment. But after this, we're going to be interviewing Professor Fless. So don't go away. He's going to be talking about uh, ethics in a postmodern culture of death. We'll be right back on Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio. Not even our listeners can cancel us. Always look on the bright side of life. For life is quite absurd, and death's the final word. You must always face the curtain with a bag. Forget about your seat. Give the audience a grin. Enjoy it. It's your last chance at Welcome to the last segment of Table Talk Radio. In this last segment of the program, we're going to be talking with Professor John Pless. He's the Assistant Professor of Pastoral Ministry and Missions and Director of Field Education at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And he's also the keynote speaker at the Our Lutheran Faith Lay Theological Conference at Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Loveland, Colorado, which takes place Saturday, February the 19th from 9 to 4. If you want more information on that and uh, especially RSVP information, go to our website, tabletalkradio.org, and click on the flyer to that, Confessing Christ in a Lethal World. Uh, again, Professor Pless is the keynote speaker for that. Welcome, Professor Pless, to Table Talk Radio. Good to be with you today, Evan. All right. Uh, you describe uh, vocation in a culture of death. What do you, how would you describe this, this culture, and what do you mean by a culture of death? Well, uh, we're going to try to... Uh to look at um, uh, kind of some po- some assumptions, I'm calling them postmodern assumptions that uh, that we often hear today in uh, in our uh, in our world, and um, and 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 that uh, the kind of the bottom the bottom line is that uh, uh, apart from faith in Jesus Christ, we are left in death, and and that uh, so much of uh, so much of our culture seems to be uh, death-affirming uh, rather than life-affirming. We think, for example, of uh, debates concerning abortion, uh, assisted uh, suicide, embryonic stem cell research, uh, where everything is oriented finally toward 
uh, toward toward death. And so, what are some of the assumptions about life and death? Um, even to look, for example, at the way we talk about uh, we talk about death uh, when it comes to suicide, uh, a common way of speaking is um, uh, is that the person took his own life, and and yet when we look at that, you know, what are we saying about life? We're saying that life belongs uh, to an autonomous individual to do with as he or she pleases. As Christians, uh, we confess that life is not. Uh, in, in self-possession, uh, but life is a gift that is bestowed by God and lived out within uh, the limitations of uh, creation. So those are some of the uh, issues that we want to begin to, uh, to, to look at and, uh, and, and uh, ask some critical questions uh, about, uh, about ethics in that kind of context. I, I find it fascinating. I think this correlates that, that our culture is constantly trying to convince themselves or deny that death exists and done so in various ways one one example recently that has popped up um, is the tragedy the, the tragic shooting in Tucson um, everyone uh, talked about the uh, the I think nine-year-old girl who was there and uh, that's just one example in another uh, of a skiing accident in Colorado where the the, the victim the victim's family decided to, uh, to to donate the organs. Now, not not to talk about uh, that ethical dilemma per se, but but how is it that that maybe is an example of how we uh, live on uh, in in our culture with this donation of organs? Martin Luther said somewhere that when the true God disappears, the fairy tales arrive, and I can think of no other arena of life where this is uh, more true than when it comes. Uh, to death, that we have all kinds of mythologies that we create uh, that would uh, 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 attempt to, in one way or another, uh, transcend the reality of death. And so uh, we have folks speaking about how their loved ones are li- are living on simply in their in the memory of good times, or even in something like uh, organ uh, transplantation, that if uh, one dies. Uh, at least uh, some part of that person uh, can live on in the life of another through a donated uh, kidney or a donated uh, heart or a donated liver. And, 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 and so it becomes one more way of trying to you know, project ourselves uh, through death rather than being able uh, to, see death, uh, to see death for what it is. How does the uh, postmodern mindset uh, amplify or, or play a role in all this? Well, I think within postmodernity, uh, the axiom articulated by Stanley Fish uh, comes to mind: uh, preferences are principles. That finally, uh, meaning, morality, uh, truth have no uh, objective uh, existence, and and so. Moral decisions or ethical decisions are simply uh, preferential, and and so uh, we have a setting aside of reason, uh, and instead uh, an embrace of emotion, and championing the notion of uh, freedom, uh, freedom of choice as uh, as as supreme. What is uh, distinctive about a Lutheran ethic above uh, all the other talk of ethics that we hear today? Well, uh, there are a number of distinctive points, I think, with, uh, uh, with a Lutheran ethic. And I would suggest that a Lutheran ethic is, uh, uh, is unique or distinctive 
in 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 first case in that it uh, proceeds uh, from the groundwork of justification by grace through faith that uh, we are involved in in uh, the ethical life not in order to justify our existence or to establish ourselves before God but uh, justification uh, actually becomes the foundation now that I am redeemed from sin death and the devil I belong to the one who redeemed me, Jesus Christ, and and given the fact that he is the one who has possession over my life, body, and soul, uh, what does my life look like in the world uh, toward uh, toward the neighbor? And and so the first uh, the, the the first and foremost distinguishing characteristic of a Lutheran ethic is that it is an ethic that really flows from uh, flows from the gospel. Uh, and and that it is not simply another attempt uh, to achieve uh, to achieve uh, status or justification uh, before God. Uh, I remember I was you did, this this is a, a a nice topic because I last quarter I took a, a class, that class with you uh, theological ethics right and, yes. I, and I remember writing one of your in one of your uh, papers uh, I found a uh, I don't know a statement or something of a sort of a uh, 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 ethics committee at a, at a hospital, and it's something to the effect of breaking the rules to do what is right was was the uh, the ethic, and I was so shocked by that because that is obviously a self justification that well this would normally be wrong, however, uh, it, in this circumstances is right it just becomes an all self justifying uh, ethos. Yeah, I think uh, that that's right. That uh, uh, that any norms any boundaries are set aside. Uh, to do what finally the, uh, the 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 will which creates its own values uh, deems to be appropriate, and and that leads of course to a kind of an antinomianism, uh, as though we could live within creation without any kind of restriction, uh, without any kind of without any kind of law, and and while for a Lutheran ethic it is true that we are not justified by our ethics, we are not made right by our moral decisions, it doesn't mean that we lapse into a kind of antinomianism, but rather uh, set free from sin, death, and the devil uh, by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are reinserted to live life in creation uh, according to, uh, uh, according to, uh, to, God's, uh, to God's word, according to his law. Uh, we are not using law then to justify ourselves, uh, but law becomes uh, the way that the life of love is uh, expressed uh, to uh, to the neighbor within the context of of our creatureliness. And finally, Professor Pless, how how does all of this play into um, uh, the average Joe? How does the the banker, the plumber, the uh, the police officer, how, how does all of this affect their daily lives and their vocations? Well, that's what we're going to try to talk about at this uh, conference out in Loveland in a few weeks. But uh, basically put, it comes down to the, to the doctrine of vocation, that as Christians we are called by the gospel uh, to a life of faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, that is really our vocation. And within that calling to the life of faith, uh, or in addition to the to being called to a life of faith in Christ, uh, the same Christ who calls us to faith calls us to live in the world in a life of love toward uh, uh, toward the neighbor. And so we, uh, regardless of what 
uh, occupation, butcher, baker, candlestick maker that we have. Uh, we are living our lives in, 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 in the sight of God and in the sight of the neighbor uh, according to God's commandments for the good and for the well-being uh, of, of, of the neighbor. Professor Plass, thanks for joining us on Table Talk Radio. Good to be with you. We've been talking with Professor John Pless. He's the Assistant Professor of Pastoral Ministry and Missions and Director of Field Education at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Again, he'll be the keynote speaker at, our, at the Our Lutheran Faith Lay Theological Conference, Confessing Christ in a Lethal World. This is at Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Loveland, Colorado, on February the 19th from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. For more information on that, visit our website, tabletalkradio.com. Org and click on the flyer and you can check out the RSVP information. Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like all the help from me you need to interview Professor Pless. <laughs> You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll free 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.